0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor's under fire, for hiring a conspiracy theorist as a data analyst for the state budget office. The surge in COVID cases continues with more than 5,600 new infections in Florida and 73 fatalities. The death toll stands at 17,585. The recount in Florida Senate District 3 is over. Incumbent Jose Javier Rodriguez loses by 34 votes. He says it would have been different if Republicans hadn't run a straw candidate with the very same last name to siphon off votes.
1: A straw candidate propped up by Republicans as part of their strategy got 6,382 votes. I believe this election warrants a full investigation so that those who may have violated the law are held to account. And so that such tactics are not used in future elections.
0: Today on Sunrise In-Depth, you'll hear from some of the people involved in the 2020 campaign about the lessons learned. And it's not a good one for the Democrats.
2: The most important thing in Florida is that the Democratic Party is in shambles, assuming it was ever really up and walking around and capable of taking nourishment.
0: Democrats may be celebrating Joe Biden's win, but Republicans can look at the down ballot numbers and see good things happening here in Florida.
3: Yes, Joe Biden's going to be president of the United States. I think his only mandate is not be Donald Trump. And I think that's evident by what happened down ballot all across the country.
0: Electric vehicles are all a rage these days, but the folks at Florida DOT say the transportation trust fund will take a hit because it relies on gasoline taxes.
4: In the best case scenario, we're looking at uh, just over 8% reduction. And in the worst case scenario, we're looking at about a 30% reduction in
0: total revenue. The DOT is also making plans for a series of recharging stations across the state and portable charging stations to help along evacuation routes. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with two Florida men. One was busted after pitching a fit over the lack of lettuce on his burger. The other is a former city commissioner sentenced to community control for taking bribes from a strip club. Wonder if he was paid in singles. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, November 13th. It was on this date in 1956, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down laws calling for racial segregation on public buses. In 1982, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial was dedicated in Washington, D.C. And in 2006, a deal was finalized for Google to acquire YouTube for $1.65 billion in Google stock. Today, it's worth as much as $300 billion. Ten of the 13 Democrats who serve on Florida's congressional delegation have sent a letter to Ron DeSantis asking him to remove Kyle Lamb from his new job as a COVID data analyst at the governor's office. Lamb was a sports blogger in Ohio whose only experience with COVID-19 was to spread bogus conspiracy theories and unproven science espoused by both DeSantis and President Donald Trump. The letter from the congressman says, Given that Lamb is an unqualified conspiracy theorist, his role as a member of your COVID-19 response staff is inexplicable and grossly irresponsible. We call on you to immediately remove Lamb from this critical role. The letter also accuses DeSantis of playing politics with the virus by hiring Lamb at a time when the pandemic is growing rapidly worse. The State Health Department confirmed another 5,607 new cases of COVID-19 Thursday, increasing our known total to 863,619. There were also 73 newly reported fatalities. The death toll is now 17,585. Over the past week, Florida has averaged 5,177 new cases, 171 new hospitalizations, and 59 deaths every day. The positivity rates now exceed 7%, and in Miami-Dade, it's more than 9%. The recount is over, and State Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez has lost his seat in the legislature by all of 34 votes. The winner is Ileana Garcia, co-founder of Latinas for Trump. Rodriguez conceded the race in a video posted to social media, but he's also calling for an investigation because a third-party candidate backed by dark money with the very same last name changed the outcome of the race.
1: There were over 215,000 votes in this race. Garcia received the greatest number of those once all votes were counted. A third candidate, a straw candidate propped up by Republicans as part of their strategy, got 6,382 votes. Garcia is the choice of Senate District 37, is your next state senator, and I wish her well. I had the opportunity to tell her that in a brief phone conversation a few minutes ago. Nevertheless, democracy requires transparency. And in order to achieve that, I believe this election warrants a full investigation so that those who may have violated the law are held to account and so that such tactics are not used in future elections. We cannot afford to have anything erode confidence in our election process. There may be those in Tallahassee who delight in this result. And if so, I will remind them that we are in a climate crisis, a pandemic, and an economic crisis inflicting pain on so many. And encourage them to take those challenges seriously. The people of District 37 deserve that.
0: Republicans have also been accused of running one of these straw candidates in House District 42, which includes parts of Osceola and Polk counties. The Justice Department says a Florida prosecutor who agreed to a secret plea deal that kept Jeffrey Epstein from facing federal sex charges was guilty of poor judgment, but nothing illegal or unethical. Former U.S. Attorney Alex Acosta of Miami was serving as Donald Trump's labor secretary when the Miami Herald broke the story of that sweetheart deal for an accused sex trafficker and pedophile, and he was forced to resign. Now, Epstein had been accused of sexually abusing dozens of underage girls and faced up to life in prison in federal court. But Acosta agreed to drop the federal charges after Epstein agreed to plead guilty to state charges that resulted in a 13-month sentence, which he served at his home anyway, thanks to work release. Senator Ben Saston, Nebraska, was outraged by the Justice Department report. He told the Associated Press that, quote, Letting a well-connected billionaire get away with child rape and international sex trafficking is not poor judgment. It's a disgusting failure, and Americans ought to be outraged. Next up, another post-mortem on the election. But first, a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. What's the most important thing we learned from the 2020 election here in Florida? Well, it all depends on who you ask. The Tiger Bay Clubs hosted a virtual session with some campaign insiders. They all had a slightly different take on that question. For veteran Florida political reporter Mark Caputo, formerly with the Miami Herald, now working for Politico, the 2020 vote revealed serious problems at the Democratic Party of Florida.
2: The most important thing in Florida is that the Democratic Party is in shambles, assuming it was ever really up and walking around and capable of taking nourishment. Uh, You know, they say in football, and pardon the sports analogy, the most important play is the next play. I look to the next election in 2022, and I think, my God, Donald Trump in 2020 won Florida by a greater margin than Barack Obama did in 2008. What does that say about Marco Rubio's reelection and Ron DeSantis' reelection? I think it bodes really well for them. There's going to be a national reckoning and it's happening already about whether to compete in florida or not at all whether florida is a swing state or not i don't think it's a swing state anymore uh, we're, we've now been kind of bucked down to battleground the debate that you're hearing the democratic party is understandable where do we go from here but i just wonder if their problems are multi-layered and almost too tough to fix starting with what they don't like to talk about with their voters their voters are unreliable Uh, It's very difficult to win an election with an unreliable voter base, especially compared to the Republicans. And then secondly, the most important thing is candidates, and their candidates on the whole has just not been as good as the Republican candidates. And then comes things like party structure and financing and the like. Uh, Don't get me wrong, you need money to compete in an election. But when you combine all these factors together, you look at the amount of money that was poured into Florida, and the final result really makes me wonder how much of a red state we're going to become and how much more of one we will be. Uh, You're already seeing signs from Ron DeSantis of of taking an increasingly uh, conservative approach to things, uh, including uh, expanding the Stand Your Ground self-defense law to cover property crimes and property-related offenses. Uh, I think that's a taste of what's yet to come.
0: Political scientist Susan McManus says her biggest takeaway from the 2020 vote is that the ground game really matters in campaigns, and no amount of social media can replace good old-fashioned knocking on doors.
5: It's underscoring an old message, which is that a great ground game wins elections. And you can see from the get-go that the disadvantage that Democrats had once COVID hit was the instructions not to go door-to-door campaigning and registering voters. And they had to suddenly defer to social media Uh, virtual town halls, all of those things. While Florida Republicans didn't miss a beat, they kept going door to door, social distancing with masks, and asking people to register. And they, of course, closed the gap in the registration between the two parties, but also canvassing them to find out what big issues were on their minds. So I think that's an, an old lesson that was really vividly Played out here is too much reliance on social media is still not going to be a really solid personal contact grounding
0: florida democratic strategist steve shale ran a pro-biden super PAC called unite the country he admits there are problems at the state democratic party but he says that wasn't the most important thing about this election
6: the most important thing in this election cycle is joe biden's going to be president i mean that's that's the biggest thing that happened this cycle i mean we're going to have a new president uh, by the landslide uh, margin that Kellyanne Conway described their, la- their last win, Joe Biden's going to win 306 electoral votes. He's going to win, you know, probably 80 million popular votes, and he's going to have the, the second largest win of a non-incumbent president since, uh, since FDR. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of self-loathing going on in my party right now. Anybody who thought the beating Donald Trump was going to be easy was completely uh, not paying attention to reality. And um, you know there are a lot of things that were exposed in the select selection on my on my side. Some of them self-inflicted. Some of them structural, as Mark said, and we can get into that. But it's a hell of a lot easier to fix that stuff when you have a, the president of the United States. And you know, um, you know, J- Joe Biden's win is is a you know to, to to quote him and Obamacare, it's a big effing deal. And um, you know, um, you know, so I, I think in the end, like you know, uh, yeah, I mean, we can t- happily talk about Florida and talk about structural stuff in my party. But in the end, uh, the biggest thing this election cycle is Donald Trump will not be president and Joe Biden will be.
0: Biden may have won, but Republican pollster, Ryan Tyson says the GOP kicked butt down ballot, especially in congressional races.
3: The Republican party this cycle finally got better uh, at using data to direct field, which results in turnout. I like to tell a lot of folks from my vantage point, we basically tried to copy the 2012 playbook from Obama. Uh, register voters build on the, uh, the enthusiasm that we could see in our data, uh, that existed within the various demographic subgroups that we would exploit that enthusiasm with, and then turn them out to vote. So I I think that's a big deal for my party that, that if you think about the beginning of the century, early two thousands, getting into the mid two thousands, when we were getting beat by Obama two times, uh, we, we know that media is important, but we've gotten a lot better at field, a lot better at ground. And I think that's a big deal for my party moving forward. The second thing I would say is this, Um, yes, Steve is right, Joe Biden will be the the next president of the United States, Uh, yes, it's going to be 306 electoral votes or or whatever that comes out to at the end, but I, I think it's also important to remember that just like in 2016 and just like in 2012, the margin in several of these states is very, very close. If you take Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia, you're talking 45,000 votes differentiate the two candidates at the top of the ticket. If there's better field in those states, if there's a couple of atmospheric conditions that go differently, you now have a 269-269 tie. So I, I would just say that, yes, uh, Joe Biden's going to be president of the United States. I think his only mandate is not be Donald Trump. And I think that's evident by what happened down ballot all across the country, specifically in the Congress. Washington Post saying that we're probably only going to have a four-seat majority difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. State legislatures, uh, Republicans picked up three of them heading into redistricting cycle. Eric Holder didn't win a single race, a single state uh, that his group played in uh, leading up to this cycle. So I, I, I say yes, uh, they won the big prize, but I also say there's a, we are a very divided country. If you get just a little deeper than this top level, you, you can see how close this thing really is. And, and there's no way to predict how the next two to four years are going to look, in my opinion.
0: While he's not making any predictions this far out, Tyson says the Florida GOP is in a good position for the 2022 election when Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Marco Rubio are both defending their seats. Electric vehicles may be the wave of the future, but they're also a threat to the state transportation trust fund. Anyone who buys gas or diesel in Florida pays a state tax. That goes into the trust fund. But what happens when people don't need gas to get around? Tanner Martin at the Florida DOT says they're trying to come up with some sort of alternative so the people who drive hybrids and electric cars still pay their fair share for the roads.
4: In the best case scenario, we're looking at uh, just over 8% reduction. And in the worst case scenario, we're looking at about a 30% reduction in total revenue. So what we need to consider is that uh, before we see any significant impacts to the State Transportation Trust Fund, we need to have policies, regulations, strategies in place before we get caught off guard. How do we mitigate some of this revenue shortfall? So some of the potential strategies would be to look at EV registration fee. As we've seen, a majority of the states have implemented an EV registration fee ranging from just over $30 a year to just over $200 per year. And so this is in addition to an annual registration fee. And it may or may not be tied to inflation as we've seen various states address it in different ways. The next option is a road usage fee or road user charge, rough charge as some would call it. This can be a per mile fee for EV usage based off of vehicle miles traveled, EMT, or it can be a mileage based approach uh, with an odometer reading at time of annual registration. And typically these are between one penny to three cents per mile. And pilot projects uh, have been underway for some time. And I think uh, Utah may be the only state that has something implemented officially. Um, Lastly, it's this EV electricity usage fee. And this is um, based off a charge per kilowatt hour. This would be something to try to replicate the existing motor fuel sales tax structure um, so that folks choosing to purchase electricity uh, can do so. um, But, Another option to try to recoup some of that lost um, revenue from something like the motor fuel sales tax. We have not seen this deployed anywhere, um, and although this could be one of the more difficult conversations uh, to implement, it's, uh, I, 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 we feel worth consideration.
0: Florida is home to almost 28,000 plug-in electric vehicles, but that number is expected to increase dramatically as their range increases and more charging stations are established. Tanner says that's part of the plan at FDOT. They're also talking about mobile charging stations that can be redeployed during emergencies when Floridians have to bug out.
4: The idea would be to have a a trailer uh, with um, battery storage uh, and DCFC connectors uh, on this trailer that can be juiced up off-site and then trailered to whatever location uh, would be most appropriate to expedite and provide power for those evacuating from a certain geographic region so that they can charge up um, along their w- way either out of the state or to other locations within the state. Uh, for example, a lot of your uh, Tampa or coastal areas go more inland instead of going out of the state altogether. Um, but this could be deployed in areas that uh, we see a surge in traffic. Um, And as Jennifer mentioned, uh, this could also be a part of a regional agreement with sister states uh, to support their evacuations as well.
0: By the way, the folks at the DOT are not requesting a specific fee or tax on electric vehicles to make up for the loss of gas tax revenue. That is something the legislature will have to figure out. Your calendar of events starts at eight with the meeting of the Florida Board of Dentistry. The Economic Estimating Conference meets at 9, the Board of Hearing aid Specialists meets online at 9, the Board of Optometry meets by conference call at 11.30, the Demographic Estimating Conference meets at 1.30, and the Florida State University Alumni Association will honor six people during the annual Alumni Awards Gala. That's being held online at 7. A Florida man pitched a fit outside a burger joint because they ran out of lettuce. Employees at a checkers in Largo say 49-year-old Henry Arce Cavalero began beating on the glass at the drive through window and screaming at them for the lack of lettuce on his sandwich. They called the police, saying the guy was a threat to employees and customers. He's charged with disorderly conduct and resisting an officer. And finally today, a Florida man who used to be a city commissioner in North Miami Beach has been sentenced to two years of community control with an ankle monitor, followed by four years of probation for taking bribes from a strip club owner. France Pierre pleaded guilty to taking $12,500 in bribes from the owners of Dean's Gold Strip Club in exchange for his vote to allow extended after-hours liquor sales at the club. Pierre also pleaded guilty to stealing $2,000 from the city through a fraudulent grant application. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flag in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.